that's Jonathan. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Time Talk. I was supposed to say the Real Time Talk again. It's just Real Time Talk. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we're going to be going over Adventist Home, uh, Chapter 24, the Size of the Family, Part 2. Yeah. So just like every other episode, we're going to be uh, reading through some sections that stood out to us and discussing them, and hopefully you'll listen. Yeah, hopefully. Okay. So. Okay. So. First one, every tribe, <laughs> every child draws upon the vitality of the mother, and when fathers and mothers do not use their reason in this matter, what chance is given to parents or children to be properly disciplined? The Lord calls upon parents to consider this matter in the light of future eternal realities. Hmm. You know what's interesting? How she says, what chance is given to parents or children to be properly disciplined? Yeah. So parents are supposed to discipline their children, but the Lord is supposed to discipline the parents by using the children to help teach them lessons. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if any of you have been a parent or becoming parents or have been children at any point in your life, you know that children are not just stupid and don't know anything. Children will be certain ways to specifically push your the, their parents' buttons because they, well, not necessarily that they know, but the Lord is guiding them to... Uh, to push their button so they can learn this lesson because it's a lesson that they didn't learn when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Most common one is patience. <laughs> and then the next one is to use the re- reasons in this matter. Yeah. Because um, I guess that's one thing that a lot of people, uh, especially where I grew up, don't understand is that you have to use your reason doesn't mean you have to reason with a child, but you have to use your reason when dealing with children. But I think you do, in some circumstances, you have to reason with children to teach them how to reason. Yes, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not to reason with the child, it's to use your reason in this matter, which could be to reason with the child. But yeah. if your reason is to, you know, like, this is a firm thing, then you have to be firm and you have to know the reason why you're doing that. Because if you're just like, I don't know, just going through life you know all wishy-washy you don't even know why you're doing it or how you're supposed to do it the rules change every other day because you have no idea you have nothing set in stone yeah and and god made us humans to be moral beings right so we have the capability of discerning between good and bad Mm -hmm. and of um having explanations and reasons behind our rules and the way we act so if our children try to like you know if if our children are are drawing from us as parents Mm -hmm. then we need to be giving them the explanations for um like the reasoning behind why we chose these rules and why we chose this way of life because if we don't then they won't understand it um and then there's no chance for you or the children to be properly disciplined because no one really understands what's happening to begin with Mm -hmm. so yeah okay so if we move on to the next one Those who are seriously deficient in business tact and who are the least qualified to get along in the world generally fill their houses with children, while men who have the ability to acquire property generally have no more children than they can well provide for. Those who are not qualified to take care of themselves should not have children. Amen. I mean, it's kind of a stereotype to think that like, like people who make less money and don't have the means to provide are the ones who are having buttloads of kids. Um, but at the same time, especially in, those words. especially in Canada, because your baby bonus comes from 
your income. So if you make less money, the more kids you have, the more money you make. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, if you can't take care of yourself, why would you bring another child, another person into the world to take care of? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's sad. And it's something that people need to be taught. Is to live within your means. That includes children. So, um, yes. So, essentially, in this case, um... If, if you have the means to provide for children, then, then you know, have the means to provide for children. But those who don't have the means often end up bringing up children that, um, not necessarily like financial means. Like, um, kids don't turn out horrible because you don't have money. Like, that's not necessarily a correlation. Yeah, no. Um, what turns out horrible is if you don't have money, you're stressed, you don't have the skills to take care of them, you don't have the energy to take care of them. You know, like, there's a lot of aspects that come with taking care of children. And money is an essential thing because money is, um, like, you need to feed them, you need to take care of them. But there's always ways to get a like to, to work with having less money if you're capable of taking care of your children properly in their spiritual uh, and emotional um, factors. Mm, yeah. So just keep in mind, consider all the resources you have, whether it be financial, material, or uh, mental resources. Mm -hmm. And if you have the resources to have a child, then have a child. But if you don't have those resources, then don't have a child. That includes space. Like if you live in yeah. a, a studio apartment, super small, and you want to bring... You, you can, but just keep in mind, like, space is going to be a limiting factor. Yeah. And when you want to just get away for a minute, go to a different room, well, guess what? You might not have that choice. Yeah. So... Things yeah. to keep in mind. And also, um, spiritually, are you capable of bringing up an entire person spiritually from fin from yeah. start to end? Because um, their entire spiritual foundation will come from what you teach them. So, yeah. you know, you have to have a spiritual foundation that is rock solid to be able to teach someone else to build theirs. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so the next one. Many who can barely live when they are single choose to marry and raise a family when they know they have nothing with which to support them. Mm. It's it's sad, and I find that this stereotype is, um, hmm, I want to say it's more common with one gender, but when you think about it, sometimes it, it could be, depending on where you live. Like in certain areas, it's more common with males and other areas it could be more common with females it it depends where usually you might have uh some guys who will marry this girl who has it all together who may not have the exact means to support themselves but they're looking for someone who will support them so they can just kick back and do whatever they want but then you also have women who do the same thing they're just like oh i just want to be uh, a stay-at-home mom, let someone else provide for me, and I'll marry them, and then bring a bunch of kids into this world, but they're not bringing anything to the equation. Yeah, that's not to say that stay-at-home moms are bad. Oh, no, no. no. no stay-at-home no. moms do a lot, and if you were called to be a stay-at-home mom and your yeah. husband is providing for you, then good on you, and you're doing a good job as long as you have the 
qual- qualifications, um, yeah. not necessarily like school qualifications, but the, the skills resources. and resources to be able to um, yes. to do that for your kids. Like if you have like a really good credit score and you have a lot of skills and knowledge, that way you guys can uh, apply for a mortgage on like a bigger space and then you can use that space to help teach your kids. Like that's perfectly fine. But like the whole point of this um, passage here, this uh, blurb, this quote is that don't get into a marriage without bringing anything to the table. Yeah. I, if everyone brings forks to a potluck, no one's eating. Well, there's and, no and plates and there's no food. This is the 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 whole like, you know, if you're dating someone who is like, you're like, I'm dating them for their potential. Well, don't date them for their potential. Date people for who they are now. Because if you're dating someone and, you know, they've been in air quotes looking for a job for like years. They probably won't be holding a job for very long unless a huge life change happens. And most of the time, that huge life change is their comfortable person leaving them. Yeah. Which is sad, but at the same time, it is what it is. And people people need that kick in the face sometimes to be able to get their stuff together. Um, But make sure that you yourself, as a single person, are not looking to marry and start to raise a family just because you want someone to be taking care of you yeah okay when such embrace the message they feel that they're entitled to assistance from their more wealthy brethren and if their expectations are not met they complain of the church and accuse them of not living out their faith Mm. yeah this is i've seen this happen a lot of times where um you'll have people who you know, they're in these situations where they didn't consider, they didn't uh, do the math uh, of resources subtracted by, you know, the cost and expenses of having children and living where they want to live to see if they could, so if they could feasibly do it. And then they're in this situation where they have, I don't know, five, six, seven, ten, twelve kids and only one of them is working and they can barely support themselves and then they ask the church for um financial assistance and the church is like uh sorry we can't and they're just like well you're a bunch of hypocrites how dare you you don't walk the talk it's like no no you put yourself in that situation sister brother that wasn't us we did not choose for you to have that many kids that was a you thing well and the thing is is that a lot of people although your church community is very much um a community that you can rely on in times of trouble do not put yourself in a perilous situation because you can rely on your church community because Mm -hmm. the thing is is when you're relying on your church community you're relying on individuals who work for their money and who are giving to the church and who have the generous heart to be able to give to those who need it and if you put yourself in a situation where you are causing the people in your community to work hard harder because like to take care of you because you made the decision to go above and beyond your means then they have every right to say, no, we can't take care of you anymore because they have to take care of themselves first. Every individual has to take care of their own family before they can start taking care of somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And if your family's needs are impeding on their family's needs, then they have every right to say, no, we can't. 
So you can't rely on a you you can rely on a church community to be there for you if ever something were to happen, but do not put yourself in a situation that is making that if come come about faster than you intended. Yeah. Don't uh weary the saints and overtax them in stuff that you did for yourself. Like that's that's not fair. That's not fair to them it's not fair to the mission of the church because there are other people in the world who could have used those resources who are in situations beyond their control but you are taking up those resources because you purposely put yourself in that situation which was within your control yeah now there are situations where some people don't have control and that's one thing and that's when the church should step in but yeah yeah so and that that's what the church is there for is to help those people that accidentally or like uh, like randomly fall into those situations not a situation that that you've put yourself into uh, okay so let's move on to the next one did we finish this one yep i just did okay uh well i finished that one in sending missionaries to distant countries, those men should be selected who know how to economize, who have not large families, and who, realizing the shortness of time and the great work to be accomplished, will not fill their hands and houses with children, but will keep themselves as free as possible from everything that will divert their minds from their one great work. So, yeah. Um, here she's talking about mission service. The... Mission service should only be taken up by those people who are single or just starting their family. Uh, like, who have a really small family or their family's already moved out. Like, yeah, I was going to say, like, single young couples that don't have kids yet or people who are, like, empty nesters where their kids are already out of the house or people mm -hmm. who just don't have kids. Yeah. Um, because, but also she talks about how the people who are to be doing mission work are supposed to have to know how to economize, how to save money, how to, because if you're being sent on a mission trip and back in when she was writing this, like, like long mission trips, we're not talking like, Oh, I'm going for a week or I'm going for a month. Like, nah, you probably gone for like six months at a time mm -hmm. and living with who knows who, who knows where, with what means you have to be able to budget for that. So people who have large families who don't know how to account for those, uh, how to, you know, save the pennies. Well, having a large family often makes it almost impossible to save the pennies. Even if you know how, kids come with things mm -hmm. that are unpredictable. You know, one has to go to the doctor, one has to do this, one has to buy this for school, this one's doing sports. You know, if you have a large family and you're off on a mission trip and your wife is at home with your kids, chances are the money that you thought you were going to be able to budget for your plans out there, some of it's going to have to go to your kids because they need it. Yeah, 100%. You won't be able to spare the money to go on the mission trip <clears throat> in the first place. Yeah. Let alone, you know, be able to... Um, you know, your family is going to need you to provide for them. Yeah. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, essentially, you know, she's talking about how, like, you know, it, it's not about, like, you shouldn't have kids. It's if you are called to mission work, then you need to do your calling and then start your family if you are also called to have kids. Because you're, 
your attention will not fully be on God's work if you are out there and have children at home or if you have children mm-hmm. with you. Because once you have kids and once you are married, your family is your number one priority. And that is your calling no matter what your calling was outside of that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so next one. Oh, actually, okay, there's only two left. God has blessed women with talents to be used to his glory and in bringing many sons and daughters to God. But many who might be efficient laborers are kept at home to care for their little ones. So this is another interesting uh, interesting um, quote because it goes back to when she was talking about um, how mothers have one of the most important holy positions um, that's out there. Like next to God, them giving birth to children and um, raising them up properly in the sight of the Lord is very, very important. So, yeah, the one thing that she's talking about here, though, is that, you know, uh, they have so many talents um, in bringing up, like, children in God's sight. But sometimes they waste that by doing other labors that keep them from what am i on the right track no <laughs> so this is saying oh yeah you're sorry sorry sorry. this sorry. is saying that there are are you know a lot of yes god has blessed women with the capability of having children but that may oh, not be his right. calling for each woman yeah so there it, are women who are made to be businesswomen, who are made to be laborers who are made to be missionaries and keeping them at home to care for children is wasting their calling you're right. I, I was I was reading that backwards. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, if you have the talents to do mission work, then you should do mission work and not be weighed down by little ones at home. All right. And you know so what? recognize that in yourself and recognize that in others around you. If they have a calling or if they have the talents or the resources or the skill set to to do uh that type of ministry to bring people to God, then you need to recognize that and account for that. All right. If you if you want to have, let's say you're married to someone and you want to have kids and they have the skills, talents, and the the drive to go and do mission work, then you need to pray and fast about it and like, okay, well, you go do mission work now and then when you come back, then we'll have kids. We'll do a short yeah. mission trip and then we'll have kids. And you know if your wife is someone who's called to be more of a, a labor-minded, business-minded person, then maybe, you know, having one or two kids is the best as opposed to having like six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Because if you, you're having that many kids, that means that for the rest of her life, she's going to be at home taking care of her children. Uh, Basically. But, you know, we're in 2021 now. This was written like way back when, so I'm sure this was a controversial statement back then. <laughs> but in 2021 now, um, you know, it's not so mind-boggling to think that the woman is working during the day and the the husband is staying at home with the kids or you know they they swap they do all like you know sometimes she's out some like you know there's different arrangements than just mom has to stay home with the kids mm-hmm. i don't know how many women have made their entire lives miserable and resent like their kids miserable because they had kids because that's what society wanted them to do and they stayed at home with the kids because that's just how it was back then. And they hated their lives because that's not what they were called to do. Yeah. Another thing is, um, I'm not sure she's touched about it now, but she'll probably touch about it later, is this 
um, paragraph also refers to pastors and their wives. Mm. Very much so. If you are called to ministry, then you need to make ministry your number one priority, not kids. Yeah. And that's something that's uh, even more important or it needs to be heated even more so by pastor's wives as she talks about this, I'm pretty sure, later in this, uh, maybe not in this chapter, but late, later, yeah, because we're at the end of the chapter, but later in the book, <laughs> she has um, a chapter where she talks about ministers and stuff like that. And she says, it is a detriment for ministers to have kids. If you can avoid it to avoid having kids, not saying that every pa- pastor's kid turns out horribly. It's just you're taking your 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 mind and diverting it away from what you were called to do. And she said it would be better if you did not have kids and you focused on doing the work God called you to do. Yeah. And, because and- now your kids have to... They don't get the father figure or the mother figure that they deserve. that they deserve that they should have because you're too busy doing uh, taking care of everyone else. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, is that if you're being called to be a pastor or a minister as a full time position, then the thing is, is that you're devoting your life to ministry. Yeah. Um, if you look at a situation where you know, like, let's say for us, like we may be called to certain ministries. But that may be a calling for a time. Like neither of us have felt like we've been called to to be full-time ministers. Um, so like, you know, um, like let's say uh, if I if I were to go work in a, in a ministry for a time, um, you know, I could have kids after that. Like their callings are not necessarily a lifelong calling. Your calling can change throughout your lifetime depending on the season. Um, so it's important to know when in your life is God calling you to have children and when he is not calling you to have children and talk to yourself. You know, a lot of women like myself spend their entire lives thinking, um, we like, I want to have kids and I want to be a mom, but there's look, look into yourself. If, If you really think about it, you may realize that you're just, you're just not ready you're not mm. capable of raising the children that you want to raise at the moment because you haven't learned the lessons that you need to learn yet. Yeah. So, next one. Yeah. So, the last one here. We want missionaries who are missionaries in the fullest sense of the word, who will put aside selfish considerations and let the cause of God come first, and who, working with an eye single to his glory, will keep themselves as minute men to go where he shall bid and bid and to work in any capacity to spread the knowledge of the truth so yeah this touches on what we were talking about before for missionaries for anyone who is making their their career to do god's will whether you are a missionary a minister or an evangelist or whatever Mm -hmm. if you are making your main source your your passion your your goal in life is to do this thing then like um, she states in, the, in this paragraph, you need to be a minute man. You need to be able to move in minutes. If he says, go here, you need to be able to, okay, we're moving and move. And having a family can tie that down and make it hard for you to be able to go where God needs you to go, to learn what he needs you to learn, and to help those he needs you to help. Because you can't just uproot an entire family that easily and that's one of the uh, 
reasons why she's telling. If you're doing missionary work or even if you are a minister or doing any sort of full-time ministry, having kids can be a detriment to your ministry and to your family because you're sacrificing one or the other. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, as a as a man, you can't have a wife if you're going to do that. I think mm. it's um, almost essential for, for you yes. to have a wife because if you're alone constantly, it's, it's going to be very, very hard for you to resist temptations. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that because you have a wife, you have to impregnate her. <laughs> exactly. And not saying that all pastors who have kids and all uh, missionaries who have kids and all evangelists who have kids and all people who are partaking in full-time mission work who have kids are doing a horrible job. No. No, it's just you aren't doing your your work to your fullest potential because you have kids. You may not be uh, being a parent to your fullest potential because you're doing mission work because you're doing ministry work it's just to understand that you only have let's say let's say 100 units of energy and you have to divert it to either your career or your family yeah. in this sense and god wants you to give 100 percent to either of those to both of those but you can't so you have to split it a little bit here a little bit there so there's always gonna be a little bit missing from that and that doesn't mean that you're going to do badly at your job or at no, parenting. No. It just means that there could have been you could have given more bigger and better results had you stick stuck to one. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, a lot of pastors are called to be pastors when they already have kids, and you know yeah, what? God yeah. knows that He has to work around that, and He will, mm -hmm. and He will bless you no matter what in that situation. And sometimes God does call um, people like pastors to have kids so they can learn a lesson mm -hmm. but keep that in mind um your one of those things may suffer from you having a family at the very least if you want to be a pastor or a, you are a pastor's wife or, or you know you're looking to marry a pastor or a, a full-time minister don't think that you're going to be having 10 to 12 children and don't think that it, your family life will be this superb As, thing. Yeah. We call, there's a term called PKers for a reason. All right. Um, <laughs> ignore the cat, please. Um, but yeah, PKers, like pastors' kids, are. there's a stereotype that they are just these horrendous, misbehaved, rambunctious kids. Um, that or the moment that they get old enough and they go off to a college or university, they just go ham and they just rebel and they try everything. Because they're always, you have to keep in mind, um, as a missionary or as an evangelist or as um, a pastor, your your kids are supposed to be the creme de la creme. They're supposed to be the pinnacle of well-behaved, good, involved children. <laughs> That's a lot to ask of anybody. It's a lot to ask of children, especially during their teen years when they're only starting to develop their own sense of identity and you're asking them to be someone who they don't think they are yet. Yeah. Um, they have to keep this image up because like, you know, no, we can't show people that teens have feelings. You know, it, there's this image that has to be upheld and it's really, really hard on those kids. And it may not be something that you intended or that you purposefully did to your children. But uh, to be honest, even the pastor's kids that I know that have turned out like really, really amazing people still under like have talked to me about how hard it is to constantly be on edge because you can't tell people your secrets you can't 
um, you can't tell, you can't open up about your life too much because your parents are pastors or, you mm-hmm. know, or you have to, um, or people will use that against you and your family. Like it's, it's yeah. rough. You have, if you are planning to have kids and you are looking to be a pastor, you are a pastor, you're looking to marry a pastor, you're looking to be a missionary, understand this, that your family will always have it rough. And I, and I know of a family, um, of pastors and like, they have it rough, they're amazing people but they had it rough so if you can avoid doing that to your family avoid doing that to your family okay so yeah okay so that was it for chapter 24 if you have any questions comments or concerns you can reach out to us at info.lessonsforyou at gmail.com you can find us at on facebook at realtime talk podcast on instagram at realtime underscore talk um, we also wanted to mention that John has started a support group for m- men, Christian men dealing with the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Um, so, um, if you want to, uh, find the group, just, uh, search on Facebook survivors of the flesh. That is what the group is called. And it's mainly targeted towards women. We may eventually start. Men. You're right. Men. <laughs> I can't even, I, I, I can't even English today. Um, <laughs> It's targeted towards men, men of all age groups. So as young as you feel like you're struggling with these things. So it could be as young as 10 to as old as 99 or 110, you know. Um, We may eventually start one for women. But for now, we're just seeing how this one goes. Uh, We have some good conversations. There's some interesting facts and articles. There's some inspirational quotes and stuff like that. So if you know of someone who is or who might be struggling, let them know to uh, search out Survivors of the Flesh. And please answer the questions. (laughs) Please answer the questions to get in the group. If you can't find the group on Facebook, um, you can email us or find us on Facebook or on uh, Instagram and DM us and we... uh, I'll send you the link um, so that you can you can join in. And yeah, I think this is a really good initiative to to help out those who are struggling with the lust of the flesh, especially in today's age. It's literally pasted on every second wall billboard. It's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, if you were interested in joining in on that, then amazing. Um, so yeah, stay in school. Sabbath school. Stay in Sabbath school.